Hey guys, before we dive into this week's episode, I've got a little offer for you. This year I launched my online studio, Mindful Moment, and I'd love for you to prioritize your own well-being and come and have a free trial. You'll get unlimited 24-hour access to my growing library of meditations, mindfulness techniques, breathwork and movement sessions, yoga classes, sound healing recordings, and more. Whether you've got two minutes or a full day, and whether you want to improve your sleep, feel calmer, or let go of damaging thought patterns, there are sessions there to support you. All from the comfort of your own home on your own timetable. Go to lilysilverton.com forward slash mindful hyphen moment to start your free seven day trial today. I talk to people all the time, you know, like, yeah, you're only like this because you're an ex Christian. If you weren't a Christian, you wouldn't think this. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. But kind of seeing the world as I did, that, that God had ordered my steps and He had a plan for everything, losing that was quite a harrowing experience for me. And so I was clinging onto other vines. I needed a mission. I needed a mission. Welcome to Priorities, the podcast about the things in life that really matter. I'm your host, journalist and coach Lily Silverton, and each week, along with a roster of incredible guests, I'll be exploring how priorities inform and transform our lives, sharing mindset tips, strategies and inspiration to help you prioritise your own life. We'll be covering what we think is important and unimportant, what we'd like to work on more, and the moments that changed our priorities and lives forever. I hope you enjoy My guest today is poet, spoken word artist and musician, James Messiah. Exploring ideas around sexuality, mortality and ethics, James has performed what he terms as his party poetry at the Tate Modern, the ICA, the South Bank and the Houses of Parliament. He's been commissioned to produce work for the BBC, The Guardian, Nike, London Fashion Week and the British Monarchy, writing a poem for Prince Charles's 70th birthday. And he's featured in campaigns for Selfridges, Loewe and Adidas a London polymath through and through. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing today? How's your day been so far? Uh, it's been good so far. Um, I've done some shopping. Uh, I've got my new soda stream in, uh, my new canister, so I'm excited about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel totally the same way when we get ours in, so I'm with you on that yeah. one. I was without sparkle for a couple of days and I really felt the difference. So, uh, <laughs> to have my bubbles back and, um, yeah, just enjoying the sunshine. Are you a routine kind of person? Do you do like the same thing every day? Do, do you know what? I think, I think I have a routine, um, but it changes. Um, and I, I always couldn't tell you, um, on what cycle it goes, but I have moments where I'm kind of partying loads, um, and then I have kind of periods of time when I'm kind of in a work mode, um, and others where I'm sort of kind of just doing houseworky stuff or exercisey stuff. And and in my current phase, it's it's sort of um, on the back of some some work stuff, um, and there's nothing in the schedule for a little while in terms of having to be anywhere. So. It's kind of just like taking time out, not really seeing anyone, um, not really going anywhere, <laughs> um, and and like just doing kind of chores, housework, um, bits of writing and reading. And so more than a routine, it's like a to-do. I have a to-do list. So I'll tell you that. I am a to-do list person. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> whatever the weather, whatever season I'm in, I will have a to-do list. Um and so I guess in that sense, it isn't quite a routine, is it? But it's just a yeah checklist, to-do list. And that kind of keeps me ordered. Do you feel disordered if you don't have a to-do list? You know, I, I, I take everything in my stride. I mean, I, I guess everyone, everyone does just by virtue of existing. Um, but um, I think that having a to-do list, when I, when I know I've got things I need to do, you know, um, I kind of just put them down as soon as I get the, the, the thought that I've got to do something. And then I write that down and then other things can come, come from that thought. Whereas if I don't particularly have anything that I need to do on that day, then I won't, and I kind of won't, won't um, hold that against myself, you know? Yeah. I think for a lot of people, their to-do lists become like, they oh, it's something that they berate themselves with yeah yeah I mean I I don't I don't like to self-flagellate 
at all. Um, I think I think that anything. I, I, I don't know. I guess I accept myself. You know, uh, some people would say "what's and all" as an expression. Um, I wouldn't, but you know, it's just it, it, it is me, and it's just how I feel on the day. You know, so if I feel like doing to do list, then I will do, and that is a lot of my days. But if for whatever reason, you know. Um, kind of on the back end of a long weekend of partying you know, or whatever else, or just like, you know, feeling like I need to to kind of be off the grid for a while or out of out of a loop, then I would I just won't and I I won't hold that against myself. Do you feel like you've always been really accepting of yourself? Um kind of a big question. Is that again? It's kind of a big question, sorry. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> hit you up with so early. Um um, no, I don't know. I think, I think, I think that my kind of recent, I mean, I, I grew up as, as a Christian and that comes with, you know, a very obvious yardstick, you know, um, you know, that being, I don't know, either the Ten Commandments or the Golden Rule or, or the life of Christ himself. Um, and then, and then you, you put the kind of pastors and family members and whatever else in into that too but then I guess even separate from being a Christian there is society and peer groups and social groups that impose some kind of sense of of who who you're supposed to be um and I I think I discovered kind of nihilism and determinism and egoism in my mid-20s and I think that from that point onwards kind of like with that with that kind of philosophical education let's say I became a lot more accepting of myself um understanding that yes there are things that people would rather I didn't did or didn't do and that I might get further in society or in my relationship with people if I adhere to these given um you know rules so to speak but that they are not absolute and they are they are created um, and it's up to me to to decide what I opt in and out of. Um, and so, yeah, I haven't always been that accepting of myself. Definitely, definitely kind of in my church days and a bit later on when I was kind of getting into like, I don't know, politics, social justice type stuff. Um, uh, then, then, yeah, I think I think I was was quite hard on myself. But where I'm at now, I'm, I'm very easy on myself. <laughs> and life's... life's Life's much more fun for it. That's good. And also life's pretty hard. So it's always nice when you hear people who are easy on themselves. Life is so hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Life is hard. It doesn't make any harder, you know. So yeah. Totally. Agreed. So one of your first priorities that you gave me was philosophy. Yes. Which you came to in your mid-20s, did you say? Early to mid-20s? Yes, yes. Chat to me a little bit about that. Never had okay. that priority on the podcast. So I'm really, oh, really interesting. Really interesting. Interesting. I don't know. I guess I guess maybe it's something that people take take for granted. Like people are constantly throwing around cliches and truisms and stuff. Um that 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 you know, in my own reading and research have come across all over again. Um in the works of giving philosophers. Um but for me in that that kind of period of time, I suppose, yeah, I grew up as a Christian, got involved in Islam for a bit, and 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 sort of like considered like faith and religion. And then once I became an atheist, there was this vacuum, and I, and I, I tried to fill that vacuum with, I guess, identity politics at one point, um, and then beyond that, a sort of more broader um, uh, goal to like. I don't know, I don't know if I say take down the man, but like to, to kind of thwart the 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 power structures as I saw it. And then that that kind of wasn't fulfilling either. And in in the kind of wake of losing that that mission, um, I had to find I had to find something to 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 guide me, I suppose. Um and and you know, I talk to people all the time, you know, like, yeah, you're only like this because you're an ex-Christian. If you weren't a Christian, you wouldn't think this. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. But kind of seeing the world as I did, that that God 
had ordered my steps and he had a plan for everything. Losing that was quite a harrowing experience for me. And so I was clinging onto other vines. I needed a mission. I needed a mission. And I guess it was kind of after university, so I was about 21. 21 to 25 is sort of like the social justice, you know, arts and crafts and workshops and you know, um, not not quite hedonism, but 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 like leading into that and kind of twenty five to now, so I'm thirty now. It's like that that five year period marks the kind of start of the the new journey with philosophy. So um, it's it's yeah, I mentioned before nihilism, determinism, egoism, um, relativism, and and those things. I don't know. I guess I guess that they are names and like. They're tabs and hyperlinks on Wikipedia. <laughs> but it was like, you know, being on YouTube and and the internet, trying to trying to like find what I what I believe to be true, or to almost like reaffirm what I knew to be true. So I, I knew in myself that there was no kind of objective way to be. Uh I guess in terms of like me going for the identity thing, I'd already kind of come across race and gender as things that didn't need to define me the way that I behaved, the way that I felt about myself. Um, and so so beyond that, it was like, okay, wow, like who else thinks this? You know, who else has said this or thought this? And then I started to come across um, different philosophers who who had said bits and pieces along the along lines of where, where I'm at now. Do you feel like it's a moral guide for you? No, no. I'm, I'm amoral, I would say. Um, and... And it's almost like rather than thinking of any decision or judgment as being moral, I see it as being relative to one's individual interests. So they may or may not align with the broader community, be be that like my family at home uh, or, you know, society at large or the the globe, the world. Um, Each person does what they do or want to do based on their own their own given interests, their own self-interest. Um, and so the idea of a moral guide, I mean, even as I said before, that like I don't, I don't, you know, self-flagellate, I kind of think of morals as 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 a as a way to do that. Mm-hmm. You're a word, they're a word, like it's a word that exists in the real world, but I don't think of them as real. Um, there's a book that a friend gave me that's actually here on my I call it a coffee table, but I don't drink any coffee with it. <laughs> so this, my TV breakfast alcohol table. Um, where is it now? Uh, I can't find it. Shame. So like on ethics, I think it's called, um, and it looks at the difference between ethics and morality. Um, and there's like a really, really interesting kind of back and forth between the two. Um, I, got, I can see it now. It's just. Out of reach. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, I don't think of it as a moral guide, no. I'll link to that in the show notes. I know that book. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say to you? Oh, yeah. In terms of morals, I think that's really interesting because it's also the idea that, like, nothing is inherently good or bad because we also yeah. never know the outcome of stuff, right? So we can say that Correct. something is inherently bad, but a lot of the bad stuff that happens, some really good stuff can come with it and vice versa. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's not difficult or painful or challenging. But um, yeah, I think it's a really amoral, really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's taken me a while to own that. And and I've definitely cleared smoking areas with, with that word. <laughs> um, and I've also kind of alienated myself at after parties, um, <laughs> as you can imagine. But... <laughs> Uh, maybe being in isolation and and without the kind of threat or fear of being a loner in the party has allowed me to own it more. <laughs> so you're like all ready for lockdown as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I feel like I haven't been to an after party in a while, sadly, but I feel oh. like um, they're, they're a hot place for philosophy chats or for like very <laughs> yeah. basic level philosophy chats. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I, I would also say that, I mean, I mentioned, you know, hedonism before that, that they, they, they kind of coincided. And so it would have been a lot of those sort of like, you know, um, surface level, um, 
That's, that's what I'll say surface level, not, not to take away from the value and importance of those conversations, but there's only so much you can get across or out of someone in the kind of like fast paced, um, you know, loud, you know, smoking area or after party um, situation. Um, but I go through my phone notes sometimes, you know, either looking for a poem or whatever else. Like I, I, I've got a note in there, which is like watch and one which is read. Um, and so I look for a film I want to see, I just type in watch. And then as I do that, I go through my notes. And it's like, okay, wow. So 3.46 a.m. on the 17th of March, <laughs> uh, 2019, someone told me to check out <laughs> Nietzsche. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, I mean, it all kind of happened around the same kind of time. And, and you know, I would, I would take notes and go off. And then, you know, in my kind of sober balanced mind would, would, would check stuff out again. Mm. I think there's a lot of people looking forward to making those late night notes soon. Things <laughs> and also another of your, that's another of your priorities, right? So another of your priorities is partying. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when, when I was, when I was thinking about them, um, I was going to just write sex, drugs, rock and roll. And I was like, no, someone else has either definitely done that or they haven't done that for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't do that. Let me kind of think of it, think of it harder. Um, and yeah, I, I think maybe partying in, encapsulates those things. Um, uh, and, and so, and so is, is is an accurate and worthy choice in terms of my my priorities. Um, it's 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 about friendship. It's about the music. Um, it's about growth and information um i suppose again with with my church background there is and there was a vacancy for communion in in that way like Mm. music shared with people um and i suppose maybe it's 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 my maybe my, my love of the form, you know, <laughs> um, that the form being being you know music music production, um, and being around people who are also obsessed with like, okay, how did how did how did you make that song, you know, or, or have you have you heard that song, you know, uh, how did you get hold of that record or whatever else? Um, those conversations and and the way in which I suppose even even now, you know, um, or today the, the walk that I went on someone was sending me tracks to listen to. Uh, and there were some just really amazing moments in the songs that I heard. And I was like, how have I not heard this before? Um, I want to discover more. So it's about curiosity. It's about discovery. And I guess anyone who's, you know, leaving their house at 10 o'clock, um, it's definitely someone who's curious in search of discovery. I miss leaving the house at 10 o'clock. <laughs> I mean, I've got a toddler and another baby on the way, so it's been a while. Oh, but I miss that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the days will come again, I'm sure. They will. They will. Indeed. What's the best party you've ever been to? Man, I mean, like picking a child. So many. Um, but do, do you know what? I guess it's it's the way in which people often say. You know what is the what is the greatest poem, or who's the greatest poet, or film uh-huh. music? It, it's it's a combination of things, isn't it? Because there's there's the there's the technical brilliance of it, but then there's also the kind of cultural impact of it. Uh-huh. Uh, how much did people talk about? How much do people talk about it? And and with that in mind, I'm going to say that the best party that I've ever been to is one that people still talk about. It was um. My friend Hannah T.W.'s house party. Uh, she actually she runs um, a project, a now record label called Ladies Music Pub um, with uh, Tyson, uh, who's just released a single actually as well. Worth checking out yeah, if you're listening. Um, yes, please. And uh, this, yeah, this was like 2015 or 2016. Literally just at the point in time that we're talking about, you know, when, when I just sort of like was at my wits end of like what to do with my emotional and spiritual life uh, and kind of got immersed in, in this, this kind of like dark world of uh, late, late night raves. And uh, one of the kind of kickstarts for that was Hannity W's house party in Brixton. Um, 
can't remember who was DJ. I think everyone, <laughs> I say everyone, <laughs> who, that, who that is to the, to the people listening. I, I, I guess I should try and fill in the blanks, but even now my mind's just gone blank. But um, at the time it felt like everyone, everyone that I was like in awe of and obsessive and impressed by, um, and kind of wanted to be like, you know, from a musical DJ standpoint was playing. And um, yeah, Hannah Zoe's house party. 2015 and 2016 best part ever <laughs> that keep you going during lockdown just like thinking about that yeah. a lot of people just think oh, when it gets really grim I just think about a really good party that I've been to and trust that that will happen again at some point well yeah fingers fingers tightly crossed I mean it's 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 not gonna be this way forever um I'm sure um but I don't know I guess I guess I I, I get my my sneaky little morsels of fun in um and that's what's kept me going more than anything else i i'm i am quite a social creature i suppose um and even not long ago actually i was thinking in one of my on one one of my down days it was like damn why why do i feel so down i was looking out the window it's like your your whole life for the last five years has been like seeing people and parties and restaurants and events you know performing mm. and that's that's how you define yourself that's who you were for a long time and so you feeling out of sorts is probably something to do with that <laughs> and yeah, for sure you know once I kind of once I kind of landed on that I was like okay boom um that makes sense and I, I guess I know it may be it's, it's probably relevant for some people listening um but like my, I tend to find that that works for me quite a lot. Trying to um, trying to locate the source of the the the, the angst, you know, or the 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 source of whatever's making me feel out of sorts, you know. Um, and I, I guess it's it's different and difficult for different people. Um, so I, I'm thankful that I have kind of like the the equipment, if that's the right words, to. to to do that um and so that's that's kind of what's what's worked for me especially over lockdown period that feeling down or feeling like something's not quite right very quickly be able to be like okay no it is that you've got this thing to do and you haven't done it yet and you're concerned that they're going to think this and that about you so what are you going to do get it done yeah get it done <laughs> it, it kind of operates that kind of very mechanical way for me i think it is a matter of also putting that effort into tapping in yeah it's not always easy or it's never easy even that's it to tap in and like actually ask what's going on yeah yeah I mean I, I think it's a bit it's a bit um well that's what people talk about isn't it the idea of putting stuff off or or using using things to get away from the thing that you know is is bothering you yeah. um and so, yeah, I think maybe I talked to, talked at the start about like being in a haze for a few days and then kind of coming back and hitting those to-do lists. It's quite, it's, it's very that, you know, being like, feeling something's not right, going off on some adventure for a little while. And then once, once I've like hit my limit with that or, you know, got out what I need to get out, then being like, okay, boom, you know what's up now. You've got to go and do that. And like you say, it is, it does take effort and it isn't, always enjoyable you know having to call uh i don't know your, your accountant or your landlord or you know your 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 partner or your friend or your whatever else you know it isn't often easy um but kind of do what you do what you've got to do to get that done drop back in i got yeah. a about partying yes um do you ever see it as an escape or do you see it? It sounds to me like the way you talk about it, it makes you feel really present. And yeah. yeah. Your life. And for so many people, partying has a negative connotation. Say it's something that they turn to when they don't really want to face life and they go down that path. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think hearing you say that um, helps me to make sense a bit more of... <laughs> of who I am to some of my friends, I think. Um, and may, maybe even to, to like my audience, perhaps. Like I definitely think that, you know, as part of my, my 
a moral worldview, um, a, a thing like that, or not, nothing can be bad in and of itself. Um, relative to the individual, it could become bad. Um, but then thinking of myself as the individual, um, it's it's about what do I want? You know, I, I always believe that I do what I want to do. Um, it, when it's a voluntary act, at least. Um, and so it's like, okay, I feel like this is what I want to do. I want to go and do this. This being, you know, staying at home and reading, um, you know, drinking some water or having, having a cup of tea and going to sleep versus I'm going to go out on a three, four day bender. Um, and that's what I'm going to do. To me, that there's, there's no, there's nothing wrong with either of those decisions. Um, and yeah, I guess you asked the question about an, an escape. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, if I want to think of it in the sense of that binary of like escaping versus being present. Cause you're in a way you're always present. You're always in, you're always in your, you're always there, you know, to kind of speak in a solipsistic way. Um, and I guess I, I understand, I understand what's meant by that. Um, I wouldn't think of myself as, as as escaping. It's almost like this is what remember at the start I talked about these kind of truisms that get bandied about. Um the 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 best way to get oh I forgot it. It's like the best way to get over something is through it or something like that. Yeah. I think it was actually in Homeland. <laughs> I've been watching that. <laughs> um but yeah, it's like I'm 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 still moving in the velocity is still there. Um, and it may well be that for me to get to the place I'm going to get to, um, seeing some friends and having a few drinks is necessary, having a dance is necessary. It may be that uh, having some some soup and going to sleep is necessary. But then me being a determinist, I can never think, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. It's always just like I did what I did, and now I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Um, so there is there is no no negativity in it for me, um, and it's it's really hard to think of things that happen as being positive and or negative. Um, they're just things that happen. Even I mean, the other day I was cleaning my knife and I slashed my finger wide open, and. Uh, I suppose that should have come with a trigger warning for anyone who's squeamish. But, but I I was like writhing in pain for a few moments. And then it's like, okay, in the same sort of fashion, right, what am I going to do about this? I'm going to clean the cart, I'm going to get some plasters, you know, and it kind of made kind of practical decisions to, to, to get over this thing. Um, I can still feel the pain in my finger now. Um, but it's like, it's a thing that happened, you know, and and... What am I going to do about that? Am I going to am I going to kind of like sit around and and, and cry about that all day? Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> and if I do, that's what I do. Um, but I may also not. I may also, like I say, get a plaster, clean it up, uh, and and carry on my life. So, yeah, it isn't it isn't that that part. You know, it's a bit of a bad thing. Mm. It is that just moving through stuff. Yeah, definitely. My work centres on helping people better navigate this challenging modern world, so I'm very excited that this episode of Priorities is sponsored by Anatomy, a London-based modern apothecary that provides natural solutions to support the stresses of daily life. Anatomy's range of vitamins, health supplements and therapeutic essential oils have been developed with the help of sports scientists, nutritionists and aromacologists, and they combine the best of nature and science to create products that support your essential health and well-being. I've been using their defense and immune support vitamins all winter, and I love their sleep and recovery oils. I put a little of the blue chamomile insomnia blend on my wrists and the soles of my feet before I get into bed, and always find it helps settle my body and mind. Anatomy are kindly offering any Priorities listener 20% off their first order with the code LILY20. Check them out on www.anatomy.co. So that your third priority is poetry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> when did you get into poetry, James? 
All right. I got into poetry when I was, well, I'm going to say 12, but that's not accurate. Um, for, for as long as I could remember, I was writing and reading. Um, one of my kind of favorite books was Alan, Alan Alberg's Now We Are Six. And that is like a um, compilation is the wrong word. Um, an anthology of poems, um, either, either by six-year-olds or about being six, um, by people of various ages. Um, and I can't quite remember that detail, but the fact that I remember that means that I was a lot younger than 12 when I was getting into it. Um, big, big um, fan of the Roldar books as a youngster, obviously. Church background, we read the King James Version of the Bible. Um, and I did like my Shakespeare thing when I was in school. So I, I always, I'd always loved kind of reading and writing and, and reciting out loud. Um, but 12 is an important age because that's how old I was when I gave my first like public recitation of a poem that I'd written. And it was for, um, for the church's new year service. Um, but my, yeah, 12. I was definitely 12. That's correct. It was for 2002 into 2003. It was New Year's service. And then did it always stay as something huge in your life? Or did it oscillate? What was the relationship like, say, when you stepped away from the church? I think, so that's, yeah. And that, that was an important point because I, I definitely stopped writing for a bit then. I guess even less than not writing is about not having an audience or anywhere to perform. And I could almost map my journey as an individual in terms of what I was into uh, spiritually or philosophically by my journey in poetry. Because, you know, at, at that point before becoming an atheist, they were all very religious poems, almost like Psalms. Um, or school kind of like evangelical um, <laughs> mini pamphlets you know, to try and convert people um, with with kind of you know rhythm and rhyme and all the rest of it kind of uh, integral to to the writing but they're definitely religious works and then after that I had, I had a gap and it was like okay now what do I write about you know and then that's when the identity shift happened because it was like, I joined the um, Afro-Caribbean Society at my university and kind of started reading um, in a post-colonial movement in one of my degrees. So I did an English degree. I discovered a bunch of writers on that. And, and that kind of like, that felt like a kickstart again. Like, this is important. I can write about this. This feels like me. This feels like home. Uh, and that was my kind of style for a little while. And then, and then I suppose beyond, beyond that, you kind of discover other writers on so the feminist, um, women's movement, uh, was another, another module. Um, and then all the writers that I discovered from that and the conversations that I had with people on my course and then even outside of university for the gigs that I was doing then, um, just started discovering all these kind of writers, the beat movement and whatever else. And I kind of felt like re-energized, um, and I hadn't had a new reason to write. How do you feel when you're writing and performing? It, dep- it depends. I think so. so if, if I'm writing for commission, um, it's a slightly different process because I, I've, I've got, I've kind of got an end in mind, um, either because of the time that the poem has to be to be read aloud, or because there, there are certain words or references that need to be in there to satisfy um, the person um, who's commissioned the piece. But then separate from that, if I'm, if I'm just, you know, feeling something or I'm in a mood or um, in, in some kind of altered state, <laughs> then, then it's, it's a really freeing thing and quite a funny thing. It's, it's almost like telling a joke to myself. Or, or almost more like like creating a joke, an in joke with myself, should I say? Um, and I, I'm trying to 
I'm not saying I'm trying to make myself laugh. I'm, I'm, often, I'm often kind of like humoured or trying to 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 get humour across. Um, there's a friend of mine who talks a lot about the cosmic joke um, <laughs> that, that nothing is you know nothing's to be taken too seriously or whatever. And I, another, another friend says funny is money. <laughs> so between between those two high and low statements. Um, I definitely tend to find that like writing is like something that I enjoy, something that makes me laugh, makes me smile. And and when I'm performing, um, it's the same thing. I want to convey that sense of joy, reverence, and and the silly, the silliness of it all, you know? Like, let's have some fun. I mean, I guess I, I call it party poetry um, because I guess even in the party context, the, the person who kind of tends to tends to hold court is the one who's kind of got the, the best anecdotes or tells the funniest jokes or who's just the most chill you know um and I guess that's that's part of the writing process you like being chill like not not being too uptight letting it flow saying what saying what feels good to say um and not censoring yourself too much um so I think that the kind of the idea and like, sort of like writing a poem and, and wanting to make myself laugh is kind of the same thing that like I want to make the audience laugh. I want to make the reader laugh. Um, and not necessarily even like a, like ha ha, very funny kind of way necessarily, but also like the thing that happens sometimes when a stand up tells like a really crude joke or, or something that's kind of like on the edge of, of, of what's acceptable to say. And there's like an awkward laughter. I like that as well in in writing. Um, so I try I try and get that across. I try I try and I try and make myself feel that as well. Um, and that's kind of when I know it's working. Mm-hmm. Like when something's a little bit off. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> it's. I'm, I'm thinking about things now that I won't say on this podcast, but there there, there are so many instances I could think of where there's like an in joke in the poem um, that I get and that a friend of mine might get. Um, and even like kind of broader cultural injects that my parents might read the poem and not get it, but the people who are into what I'm into will see it and know it as well. Um, I guess, I guess, you know, humor is a way that people kind of belong, you know, like, like I say, an injoke or, or a, a shared sense of humor. Yeah. Um, I like to talk to my people people that see my sense of humour as well. Uh, and I guess the important thing to say is that, that that really does go across, like, lines of, you know, whatever demographic you want to talk about, you know. Um, my, my people are everywhere, and they look all kinds of ways, but they just get me, you know, and I get them, and I want to talk to them and, and be in the same room as them. Uh, and my, my poetry is a way to do that. Are there any in jokes in um, Prince Charles's seventieth birthday party? <laughs> now that would be telling. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that would be telling. Don't know whether to ask you about all the Megan stuff. <laughs> the topic, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that's 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 close to home. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe maybe even close to my home and other people's relative to my my work um, and the commissions that I've done. But I don't know. I think I think that there are there are kind of like big cultural moments um, where where people kind of pin their own. Um, experiences on onto it, um, so it's, I guess it may, maybe it happens more now actually, because everyone's everyone's got their, their own kind of uh, platform. Um, that something something big happens that goes right to the top of the. So I, this is such a London thing to say, but right to the top of the shard, and it shines out all across London. Everyone can see it, and everyone can have an opinion an opinion on it. Um, but I suppose, like, maybe now more than ever, I, I enjoy I enjoy not having an opinion on some things. Or having an opinion and, and not feeling obliged to, to share it. I suppose it's maybe a thing of, of 
minding one's own business, but also I guess in terms of what I said before, you know, the 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 identity stuff and the social justice stuff. Like that that was that was a, a thing for me because I was really trying to change the world at one point. Um, and I mean that in the most earnest sense of the phrase. I really wanted to um, save everyone. <laughs> and as delusional as it sounds now, maybe it's, it's not that out of, out of character for people who were just at university um, and in their, you know, early 20s prime of life. And just just discovering things for the first time, these really these really radical ideas that just feel new, and um, you want to share them with everyone. And I think maybe I kind of ran myself into the ground a bit trying to do that, and almost like came to the decision um, conclusion. Maybe maybe this was like just before I started getting into, into the philosophy stuff, but that like my energy is my energy is best served looking after those that I care about who are closest to me immediately um and myself of course um as a as a way to conserve energy um not not such that almost almost to say that one is more useful that way um in in not trying to attach myself to every every struggle to every issue um, for the sake of, maybe it's, maybe it's coming from the place of wanting to help, you know, but I think even in some instances, it wasn't necessarily about wanting to actually help. It was about wanting to be seen to be helping um, and to be seen to be on the, the quote unquote right side of history. Um, I think at a point at which I started to care less about what people thought about me in that regard, I kind of felt freer. Um, and more able to use my energy to do the things that that were more expedient um, in terms of my my own longer term goals. Um, I mean, that's a long answer to a short question, <laughs> but I think that may have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that thing of you know, got to look in before we look out. Yes. Interesting and honest what you said as well about. Um, feeling as if perhaps sometimes you were doing things to be seen to do to be doing them rather than because that was your calling or what really connected with you even if it yeah. doesn't connect with you it's not as if you're doing it from a place of of being disingenuous but that there's that self-interest at play which we all have yes yes but but I guess I guess maybe maybe I didn't I didn't understand that then yeah. um I think I thought that I was better than people. Um, I thought that they were selfish and I wasn't. And why aren't you out marching with me? Mm. You know, why are you not as down for the struggle as I am? And then at a certain point, I realized that everyone is carrying something and everyone has some, everyone has something, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, And so rather than, kind of condemning people. So, so I guess there was the other that preaches the choir, you know, and, and, and a lot of my kind of anger wasn't even directed at people on the opposite side of the political spectrum. It was directed at people on my side, you know, a lot of anger and frustration and vitriol at people who weren't pushing as hard as me, you know. Um, and looking back now, it's like, wow, I, I might have to send some apology text to people because I, I, I really cared, you know. I really did think I was doing the right thing and almost like the road to hell being paved with good intentions is is really expressed in in, in that point in time for me um, when I was like, you know, d- doing events and, and at squats or whatever else, like having these conversations with whatever else all the time and, and feeling like people who weren't putting in that much time and effort were 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 not as committed to the quote-unquote struggle. Uh, only to see that everyone has their own struggle that they are completely committed to. <laughs> um, so, so I guess now I kind of have I have a, I have a better sense of what my individual struggles are, and um, I don't. I would say it comes with age. I say it comes with experience, and um, that experience and age don't have to necessarily go go hand in hand. They can, they can go at different times. So me, with the experiences I've had to this point, 
you know, um, feel like I'm doing doing a uh, doing as good a job as I can of of managing um, my my wants and needs with the wants and needs of the people people around me, such that we can live in peace. Um, and and I guess that there is a word the word compromise um, that people use. Um, but but I guess it's like coexist and cooperate. I like cooperate. You know, we're all operating in our own ways. That we're just operating in a, in a coordinated fashion, um, and that's that's what I long for. You know, I I, I long for uh, a, 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 I long to live in in this kind of situation longer term, and I want that. I want that for my friends and loved ones, and you know, in, in a kind of idealistic way for everyone around the world. But the reality, the reality of things would suggest that that's not going to be the case at any point um but it's still something that 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 i that i wish in some ways you know and 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 try to live up to that for myself um yeah peace and love basically (laughs) it's a good thing to be striving for yeah has there been a moment in your life james where your priorities have changed sort of almost in an instant well, yeah, I guess I've spoken about religion, uh, philosophy, politics quite a bit, but those those moments were big. Um, I think maybe certain medical diagnoses at different points or accidents that I'd had made that happen too. Um, things that kind of felt important weren't anymore. Um Kind of, kind of in in the face of life or death decisions, um, or, or not necessarily even life or death. I mean, when I came off my bike not long ago, it felt like that. <laughs> I saw my life flash from my eyes. But then in other instances, it's just like, okay. Well, if that's not an option because of health or whatever, then you know, okay, what really does matter? Um, and I do, I do try to maintain that. You know. It's, it's just actually hit me less less my own health but more or my, my own life or death situations but when friends and loved ones die that really does that yeah. uh, and over the years I've had a lot of people that I've known and, and loved um die and even even actually come to think of it with, with the, the poetry stuff and my angle there it really is impacted quite heavily by those deaths um being like okay wow so-and-so's gone what is the point of it now so like, okay no you've got to find your own new meaning um and almost to almost to to laugh in the face of death perhaps as well is like another thing about the cosmic joke to not fear it and to accept it as a reality and part of life um so yeah when when someone that that i cared about has died then it's like okay hang on maybe maybe I need to, you know, relax a little bit more. And maybe I need to take some pressure off myself. And maybe I need to kind of like go for a walk and just like look at the trees for a little bit. Mm. What I really like about your approach, James, I feel like mm. whatever you're doing, you're leaning into th- into things. <laughs> yeah, maybe you have my friends today, but yeah. <laughs> and it's a really, really brilliant way to do things because we're circling back now but life is hard yeah (laughs) and I think many people try and move away from life or move away from things because they're so difficult yeah yeah and it seems to me like the way that you live and the way that you organize your life and your approach to things you're you're always leaning into those spaces and seeing what's there and seeing what you can take from it and learn from it and how you can move forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm a massive, um, I say I'm a massive, have you seen there's, there's a meme which is like, oh, you're a rock fan, name five bands. <laughs> like, I was going to say I'm a massive Anthony Bourdain fan. And it's like, I've only become a massive fan of his in this last lockdown. <laughs> so I'm not that big a fan. But a big enough of a fan to to know that there was an interview of him and Iggy Pop on um, Parts Unknown where 
they kind of like they're chit chat and it's like yeah you know I, I couldn't say that I have anything to offer anyone in terms of advice except to be curious and to be open to experience and experiences um so yes I guess in terms of what you said like about me then it I guess it's, it's kind of the same sort of thing of being curious um I mean I, I, I almost want to say fearless but that isn't right it isn't about being fearless um but it's just about being curious and open to experiences um I guess just just yeah in that in that kind of like deterministic almost like stoic acceptance of you know come what may um but then I mean I'm I'm on the internet a lot (laughs) another another kind of thing I see is you know you weren't insert trauma here and it shows so I often think about my life and it's like I could say to someone you you weren't raised in a culty Christian domination and it shows I think maybe it's because I made my way out of that church group the kind of the the, the, the strength of character and mind that it took to to get to where I'm at now in t- just in terms of like that church thing asking questions being like well why do we observe a Sabbath why don't we why do we have a kosher diet why why do we um believe that Jesus is coming back on this exact date or whatever you know asking those questions and kind of feeling the backlash of my like loved ones, my peers and the people I looked up to, you know, having been alienated by them, you're almost prepared for a life of, let's not say hardship, but like a life of like, okay, like, fuck it, throw it to the wind. Let's see what happens. You know, I'm going to ask the pastor why he said that in the sermon today. And I'm going to take whatever he says back and just swallow it. You know, um, it's that same kind of attitude, I think. I think it's a good attitude to have. Thank you. Let's leave it there. Well, Boom. Uh, so you're working on new music, right? Yes, I am. I am indeed. I'm, I'm I'm writing poems and trying to trying to get them into some sort of like book shape, or if not a book, then like I guess I do a lot of performance stuff, and it's almost the question of 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 whether it can exist like right on the junction of the two. Um, so writing poems, trying to make them into something uh, that can be sold to a publisher and also musically working on something that can be sold to a record label. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it, they're poems that I say to my friends all the time and songs that I play to my friends all the time. So it works. They, they work in that context, but I'm just developing them the words and the music um, to, to see to see if they have any kind of broader appeal beyond my after party crew. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> All right, James. It was so nice to chat to you. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode of Priorities, I'd really appreciate it if you could make it your priority today to hit subscribe and also rate and review, as this helps other people find it. Need a little incentive? Every month, I offer one free six-month membership to my online studio, Mindful Moment. All you have to do is hit subscribe, rate, review the podcast, and then email a screenshot of your review to podcast at lilysilverton.com for a chance to win. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.